the future of the world, I won't say fashion, the future of brands and services will be a future where people will want to buy, engage and connect with brands that have a meaningful purpose and that add value to people's lives beyond a product that's great, beyond a service that's great. On this week's episode of Blazon, I'm talking to Camilla Strashnoy, who is a brand strategist, trends researcher, editor, creative storyteller, and educator located in Miami Beach, Florida. As an independent consultant in the fashion, beauty, and media industries, Camilla's client list includes L'Oreal, InStyle, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, and Vogue, as well as developing sustainable brands and startups. So my name is Camila Strashner. I'm born and raised Argentinian, living in the U.S. for seven years via London. I know you guys are based out there. I have a background in fashion and textile design. That was my bachelor's. That was what I started doing. And as I was graduating, I realized that even I was working as a fashion designer and I loved it. It was not my calling. It was not my purpose. And I had to start this road trip to discover what was next for me and what was in the plans. So I pursue an MFA in visual arts right. and a master course in trend forecasting. And then that is when everything started taking form. I started working as an editor because I thought that's what I really wanted. So I started working for different um, fashion magazines such as InStyle, Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar. And I was known for writing all these very lengthy and more analytical articles more than I did start writing the five dresses you need to wear this week, but then it evolved into more in-depth analysis and serious. Right. I don't want to call the other work not serious. I would just call it more analytical, more analytical right. and, and those sorts, sorts of things. And in that journey is that aside of the, you know, New York, London, Milan, Paris fashion weeks, I started traveling the world especially Latin America, because I was writing for a lot of the Latin American versions of, of these publications. And in that journey, I came across with a lot of new talent. And I was working in the magazines. I was working as a trend forecaster for L'Oreal, a trend forecaster for some other agencies. But I was not a consultant of any sorts. And I had the first brand approach me, uh, please consult for us. And I had no idea what I was doing. It was not right. in my books. It was not in my plans. I, so I, I said, no, they convinced me because of these multi-layered skills that I had. Um, right. And I'm like, okay, let's try it. That was my first client. Since then, I never stopped. Um, I Perfect. started consulting for fashion brands 100%. Now it's evolving. We're growing. I have tech startups. I have lifestyle brands, beauty brands. And what I do is I have a trend-driven approach to innovation and disruption and strategies. So trends inform everything I do. I'm a trend forecaster by trade, but I use it to create strategies to stand out in this very saturated market. So that's my daytime full-time job. And I'm also a professor at Instituto Marangoni here in Miami. I teach the future of fashion, design, creativity, communication strategies, and all those sorts of things. Amazing. Amazing. So do you think that being that well-traveled and working with so many different brands, working, you know, in various parts of the industry, working with many different types of publications and magazines, did that 
help you on your journey as a trend researcher? A hundred percent. I had a professor in university in fashion school that always used to say, you only can see what you know. If you don't know something, even if you come across that one thing, you cannot see. Right. And I love that. It's a translation. She, he used to say that in Spanish, but I don't know if the translation, it translates as well. But it, it's that. I feel being exposed to different cultures, to Absolutely. different people. I did grow up in a very open-minded house. Like my house was religion-wise, sexuality, it was ideology, it was very open-minded. And I grew up kind of as a sponge. And then, yes, of course, uh, living in London, spending a lot of time studying in Barcelona, Miami, Argentina, and traveling so much informs everything I do because as a trend forecaster, all what we do is read, watch, listen 24-7, connect with people, talk to everyone, read everything about anything that is not... People, for example, I believe your audience is very fashion-oriented. Yeah. And a lot of fashion designers think that to come up with fashion trends, you need to look at fashion or just fashion art and design. And that's not the case because trends are informed by how we live, how we relate to one another, how we play, how we are educated, everything and anything informs trends. Right. So at a high level, how would you actually describe trend forecasting? If you were to explain it to someone at just a high level, yeah. the actual process of trend forecasting. A trend forecaster or a trend researcher, I call myself a trend researcher. I feel there's right. a few forecasters in this world. Uh, right. I, I like that a bit more humble approach. And if anyone wants to call me that, but I, I call myself a trend researcher. And we're in the constant lookout for all types of changes. And it's a, the only way that you stay in the pulse of the world. Right. We, as I was saying, we read, we listen, we watch everything and anything. And what we do as a forecaster is we see patterns of change. That's a trend. I always say a trend is a change in its direction. And we see this pattern of change as a new direction that people are beginning to follow that create right. opportunities. Right. Because trends are patterns, patterns that can reflect that something that is popular at a given time and can slowly or swiftly create an impact on business or culture from every angle, not just design, but think politics, religion, science, sports, tech, right? Trends can just skim the surface. For example, a change in color, texture, materials, and, and patterns, silhouettes, or they can be more macro, right? And, and change something that is at a deeper level in society. There are these trends that reflect something that's more profound, and can detect those meaningful changes in how we produce or consume value, what value means to a society at a given time. But both types of trends, the more superfluous as CMF trends, color material finishes, or consumer trends that I work with those a lot, they all affect the world. And how these trends are forecasted depends on the type of agency and client and forecaster you're working with. Because at a high level, you have different agencies that focus on fashion trends, CMF trends, uh, interior design trends, consumer trends, economic trends. So the word trend is just a direction and it's change. And then right. how you apply this in which area and in which how deep you go depends on the need. Absolutely. So it's almost like you need to find 
the perfect wave for yourself to surf. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's not such thing. The, the process of trend forecasting is very messy. That's right. a challenge with my students because here in the U.S., we say lost in the sauce. We are lost in the midst of uh, innovations because that's, I collect right. what I say they're innovations, weak signals, that they're right. the ones that when you recognize the pattern, these innovations or weak signals create or manifestations of change, and then you can pinpoint these to a macro trend and a human need and a human sentiment and the zeitgeist, then you produce something that's meaningful. Right. So how would trend researching and trend forecasting fit into the design process? So say you have a designer and they want to integrate this into an upcoming collection. What would that process be? Well, as I was saying, that really, really depends on your client, their brief, the time they allotted you for the research. Right. But trends are implemented in design at the research stage before right. you even start. Like that's when you should start working with trends, when you're researching for the development of a new product or a new collection or a new drop. Okay. Right. So we in my agency and most forecasters have the practice of constantly gathering possible signals, signals of change, scanning and right. capturing. This is an ongoing practice with or without a client, with or without a brief. But the calendar, the time frame, these are all the, the factors that are going to impact how we're going to work with a trend. If right. it's a seasonal trend, if it's a CMF trend, if it's a consumer trend, it all depends on what the client wants. Typically, right. if it's a CMF trend, it will take longer. CMF, color, material, finishes. Why? Because testing for materials and finishes right. before applying them to an end product in fashion, for example, it takes longer. Uh, if it's packaging, maybe it's less. So those trends are right. a bit more time consuming because you need to really test the product, the finish, the new material, or even right. create a color right. to put that in an end product. It all depends on the how and the when uh, the design development phase, though, uh, I want to really say this for all of your designers, is not the only phase or stage that can benefit from the guidance of a forecaster, right? Because the delivery of the end product should also be infused with a trends expert guidance. Because a good forecaster will know when is the right time to place or incorporate a specific trend in a product delivery or messaging. And you must right. really, really know if your clients are ready for a trend at a given time. So you need to understand if you need to convey a macro trend, a consumer trend, and how. You also always have to give your clients very clear examples so they understand right. that this even is part of the post-production experience. Asking what trends will affect the reception and sales of the brand's collection. What is on the mind of the zeitgeist and how can that change a brand's communicating strategy? So trends can be applied in the research process, in the product development, in the packaging creation, in the delivery, right. messaging, marketing, all of the above. Wow. Do you have an example of how that would work? Say you've got a hypothetical brand that makes coats. You know, they're specifically coats and say they're primarily targeted to autumn winter kind of outdoor kind of wear so for that kind of brand they've got that specific focus they just make 
coats for relatively heavy use. So, you know, it could be an office worker, it could be someone going out for the night when people are allowed to go out for the night again. Mm -hmm. So, hopefully you, soon. Yeah, hopefully soon. So, how would that work? Okay, let's say they want to start from the research process. So, first yeah. of all, I would help them understand which are the colors, the silhouettes, the textiles that are interesting for the season and help them kind of guide them a bit with shapes, silhouettes. But then I go a step further and I start understanding, okay, some underlying trends, let's say, for example, the mend and repair trend that because of the financial anxiety, the whole world is experiences, experiencing, sorry, mending and repair is becoming a trend right now and people want that. So maybe I would be like, is your product something that is very durable? Could you add more value to your product by adding a repair kit or adding tutorials on your website of how you do this? Or, you know, 2020 left a lot of designers and the world with a lot of uh, dead stock, dead fabric, overstock. Like, could you partner with another designer and tap on the patchwork aesthetic that is also trending because of the same financial anxiety and do-it-yourself trend? And could you do that and apply it to your aesthetic and also use overstock and tap into the macro trend of sustainability? Could you uh, work with artisans? Because now it's all about slow fashion. I hate slow fashion, but going back to the roots, working with artisans, empowering yeah, yeah. people in different communities. So what I start doing is I start understanding my menu of trends. And yeah. then what I do is I read and I also go very deep in understanding my client's DNA, my client's yeah. purpose, because maybe he's not into all of that because that's not his aesthetic, but he's super tech and techie. So I'm like, oh, could we create some COVID fashions being antimicrobial textiles or your coat comes with a matching mask? That's a silly example, but just so you understand right. for the Absolutely. for the exercise of the creative thinking. And maybe we could do in-game avatars. Maybe we can promote your brand and we can also create the virtual version of your code. And that's right, completely different DNA and client than the do-it-yourself man and repair sustainability client. So it's the trend needs to match my client's needs. And that's how I play. It's storytelling also. So it's like Absolutely. storytelling, DNA, product, and which trends align with this because not every trend is for every client. And that's also the forecaster's job to analyze that absolutely it's really interesting that you mentioned mend and repair and you mentioned things like slow but more on the sustainability side yeah. and the fact that you mentioned digitization because you've no idea the number of times i've heard that over the last months you're absolutely right there does seem to be a lot of people considering these things right now yeah, so those, yeah. are, those trends are gaining traction. It's not that I hate slow fashion per se. I just hate the term. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, because yeah. I, these all are things that I call dirty words, when yeah. we, like sustainability, like luxury. Yeah. We, we they're over, too broad. We, they're, I don't know if they're broad. I just think they're heavily overused and they lost, uh, they lost, lost meaning. meaning. Yeah. So, for me, language is very important. Um, you hear my accent, so sometimes English and, and my choice of words can sound weird, but it's very important to understand that that language also is very important when communicating a brand and and leverage. And you've heard all these because this is what is in everyone's minds, because there's triggers that are, for example, 
the gaming. It's about being playful again. It's about reconnecting yeah. again. It's about emotional isolation and people needing to connect in new and meaningful ways. It's yeah. another way of being sustainable and dressing your avatar in yeah. your animal crossing new horizons without causing any more damage to the planet. Yeah. So there's always that. That's why I say sometimes people think fashion trends are superfluous or, you know, but it's fascinating when you dive deep in that rabbit hole and start yeah. pulling the strings and understand that it's a never ending stream of that starts in maybe a political action yeah. or a climate change or it's very, very. Yeah. You're right. It is a reflection of the zeitgeist. It is. So you look into all of these aspects, but when it comes to the actual interaction you have with the brand, how does that work? So say I'm the brand and it's my range of coats that are, that are coming out. I don't know why I'm coming to back to this example of coats, but is it very there we go. cold in London right now? <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, it actually is. It's a lot darker than it usually is around here. <laughs> So for example, how would we work together? If it was my brand, what would you need from me in order to run through these steps? So like you mentioned that you look into what my brand DNA is, what my messaging is, what language I'm using, you'd look into all of these factors. But when it comes to the communication between you and me, how does that interaction actually work? What does it mean that you would want to have a better idea of my DNA, if you understand. I understand. I, I, I get what you're going to. So a lot of my clients call me the brand psychologist or therapist, because what I really like is talking to people. And the best ideas come out of conversations, because people, when they write, especially more emerging designers, smaller brands, because if you work, one of my clients, uh, I work in a different capacity because it's more uh, range planning. I work for Bottega Veneta. And Bottega right. Veneta has all their guidelines and abstractor and all things written in place, and it's a corporation. But I love working with startups and smaller designers or tech apps that I'm working for one now. And, and I like the idea of having a conversation, a very honest conversation with my clients. Because sometimes when they need to write their DNA, their purpose, their mission, they get stuck. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. I believe that the future of the world, I won't say fashion, the future of brands and services will be a future where people will want to buy, engage and connect with brands that have a meaningful purpose and that add value to people's lives beyond a product that's great, beyond a service that's great. What else are you doing for me or for the world or for my community? And I feel we all have that. Sometimes we just don't know how to find it or where to tap. And yeah. that's what I like doing first. I like to have a very honest conversation with a brand, a designer, a creative team, a marketing team. And I'm like, why are you here? What's your purpose? What greater good are you trying to achieve? How are you helping the world? What do you want to achieve with your brand? What is it, why is this important for you? What are the, what's your language? I, for me, it's like language, understanding really what they want. What's your mission? What's your vision? Where they come from? What's your story? Yeah. And it's all about storytelling. It's about language. It's about defining a very clear purpose, defining a very clear mission and vision. So that gives me 
kind of an x-ray of the brand. Right. And then I also look at the product. I also look at the product range. I also look at their experience. I also look at their design language. I also look at where they're selling, how they're communicating, which platforms, which retailers. Are they at Model Perandi and at Aporte? Are they an emerging designer? So that I do have a very tailor-made bespoke process because it's client per client. But right. in my opinion, that's where I start. Then I go back and it's all internal. So I have a team of creatives that I really respect. I believe in the power of people thinking together. I believe in the thought of a community more than an individual, because I say we create relevant ideas for a multicultural, multi-everything world. Yeah. I don't believe in online, offline anymore. For me, it's just one conversation. So I gather a team of experts in the online, offline, different categories, different expertise, and we sit and we brew these ideas as a team. And then we start understanding what are the strings we're going to pull from, what's the storytelling we want to really explode, what are the trends that are relevant, and then we have a conversation with the designer again. Because if that doesn't really resonate with my designer or my client or that design team or that marketer, I will go back and redo it. I don't decide where my client goes because I feel that I help them decide, but if it's not aligned with them, yeah. then it starts getting lost in translation because it doesn't look or feel genuine and the market right. doesn't trust a brand that's not genuine, honest, and very rooted in their own beliefs. Absolutely. And that's why I went back to your first step with regards to the DNA, because that is such an interesting step. So especially when you're working with an emerging designer or someone early on their journey, making them think about that you know and making them understand why they're doing what they're doing is such an important step because if they aren't completely clear about that how are they going to communicate that with the world you know so so the fact that you do that as part of your early stage of your process i think is valuable i think even if you're not an emerging designer it's important to keep on getting reminded and having to think about that and going back to that again and again and again. Because, you know, a brand, I'm sorry to interrupt, but think about a brand. I always say a brand is an idea. You can drink a Coca-Cola, but you cannot touch Coca-Cola. You cannot touch a yeah. Coke. Okay. So a brand yeah. is an idea and those ideas are built every day and it's an organism that's alive. So what you said is very relevant. You always have to go back. It's not yeah. set in stone. And what also you're saying to your point of a new designer, you know why a DNA is so important, in my opinion, is the market is so saturated. So what, we don't need a new brand of anything, but we are willing to accept a new brand that is going to offer something that's meaningful, special, and unique. And that's when the, one of the key factors comes into play. And I call it your special sauce. You know, like you go to a restaurant and they sell the same salad everywhere else, but they have yeah. that sauce that they don't disclose what's in it. And you go just, you drive or you commute there just for that, you know. Yeah. That's what a designer needs. What's your yeah. point of view? Why will I buy your coat, going back to coats? What makes your coat so special? Absolutely. From storytelling to values, to why would I want to vote with my money to your brand? I'll give you my vote. Absolutely. I mean, it's the most human thing you can think about, right? It's the reason why you make friends. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because it's meaning, you know, and 
as a society, I feel COVID-19 really accelerated the journey towards meaning and meaningful connections and that, that we were going to. And all in life you can give to one another is value, add value, add, you know, add a point of view, add something interesting. And that's how you create genuine relations, as you said, between people or between a human and a brand. Absolutely. That's amazing. That's, that's something that is so important for people to understand, especially if they're starting a company, whether it's a brand, you know, a tech startup, it doesn't matter what it is. That is a core part of just making sure that you have some hope of succeeding, you know, and in effect, what's the point of starting something if you don't have a clear idea of what it is? So I completely agree with that. So what would you say are for someone to be a good trend forecaster? What are key skills that they need to have? Is insomnia considered a skill? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, okay. Jokes aside, I believe, you know, there's something no one says, but I think it's having the mindset of a lifelong learner is really a top skill because you're learning with all your senses all of the time as a forecaster. Right. And being very open, together with this comes one of my favorite is being very curious you need to be very curious you must learn ways to not burn out from information overload my technique uh, i like sports so i go to the gym i go running that's people will think i'm crazy that's my happy place that's my zone that i like i live at the beach in miami beach so going for a run going for a walk at the beach taking those breaks which are very hard when you're in the zone to right. move away but that is very important. And all skills that trend forecaster has can be learned or horned uh, by having exceptional curiosity is what will drive a forecaster to maintain that stamina needed uh, to be in the trans industry. And yep. Perfect. Yeah, those are the ones I think. And it's a lot of insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> You need time to learn all these things. <laughs> uh, I, I, for me, it's passion. So it's sometimes I find myself, you know, at 5 a.m. sending an article to my team. Or it's just for me, it's passion because it's very purpose driven. I love what I do with all my heart. And I do it from that passion of like, I'm curious. I love learning, learning from everything. Of course, there's topics I like more. And, and that's what I focus the most, like fashion, like tech, like consumer, consumer mindset, retail. Uh, it's fascinating to me. And, and you have to tap into that curiosity. Perfect. So how can our listeners find you online? So I'm very active on Instagram. Well, sometimes more than others, but my Instagram handle, we could, it's Cami, C-A-M-I, Strashnoy, S-T-R-A-S-C-H-N-O-Y. Uh, that's my Instagram handle. I have the same Instagram handle in the trending app Clubhouse. Uh, I'm creating some conversations there. I find that that app fascinating. There's my website, camilastrashnoy.com. My agency, the Mate House. Mate, in London, you think it's mate, M-A-T-E. In Argentina, I would say mate because it's our popular drink there and it's a ritual. So the Mate House is the consulting agency. And then I have a course on trend forecasting now. 
it's an introductory course, self-paced, for anyone that wants to start learning a bit more and embarking in this journey. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Blazing. If you enjoyed the episode, remember to subscribe and rate and review us on your favorite streaming platform. 